Sponsored by Rode. This week on the Picture Line podcast, we're talking to Eden Strader. But before we get to the episode, here are some things that you need to know about. Nikon and Sony's trade-in deals are in effect until the end of March. Get all the info and see if you qualify for huge deals on Sony or Nikon mirrorless cameras at PictureLine.com. We have a March packed with events, which you can get all the details for at PictureLine.com by clicking on the Events tab. Some of the highlights include Panasonic's Touch and Try event featuring the Lumix Full Frame S1 and S1R on March 11th. Plus our Lighting on Location workshop and seminar with Westcott Pro Ian Spanier on March 15th and 16th. You can also join us for Sony's weekend seminar with Sony artisan Scott Robert Lim and Manny Ortiz. That's on March 22nd and 23rd. Get all of the registration and details for these events, plus our full calendar in the events section of PictureLine.com. Now on to the show. My guest this week on the Picture Line podcast is a Utah-based wedding and fashion photographer and educator, and her name is Eden Strader. Eden, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I, we're excited to have you here. Um, Eden, how did you get into, would you say that you are primarily a wedding photographer or a fashion photographer? Um, primarily a wedding photographer, fashion kind of on the side. Um, I would say wedding photographer and educator primarily. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about how that transition happens into education because we've had several photographers on who have talked about starting in photography and transitioning into education and not everyone does that and I'm just, I'm just always yeah. curious about sort of that transition so let me start with how you got into photography in general yeah initially um so my mom's actually an art teacher my dad's okay. graphic designer so we were kind of that family where instead of being put into sports we were like put with a paintbrush sure um so I always we kind of just tried all the art things as kids and in elementary school I started stealing my parents little point and shoot camera Mm -hmm. and just carrying it everywhere and I'm sure there are photos from back then that would just ruin my career they're just like (laughs) the most embarrassing shoots with my friends but kind of fell in love with it back then I took like a class in junior high when you know you make those little cameras out of like oatmeal cans sure yeah and that was really my only like formal education I guess for photography but uh yeah I just kind of fell in love with it after that when I was saving up for college I spent like a lot of my savings on camera gear Mm -hmm. and like got started and I you know of course only had like a 51.8 but I was like this is professional (laughs) Uh, because back then you, you know your first camera you think it is but yeah that's kind of like where I got started and then um in college I just started my own business and then kind of went full-time from there so yeah Mm -hmm. um do you see a lot of influence that those early experiences with art classes and Mm -hmm. things like that have on on you now or as you're on your photography yeah definitely that's actually something I talk a lot about in education courses is that I loved light and color like light and color played a huge role I painted a lot in high school and I still paint a little now um and those two things played like a huge role role in like my artwork back then and I feel like that translated into my photography later so Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like that set me up early on to kind of use different things and to like fall in love with different factors of photography yeah Mm -hmm. um how would you describe your style yeah so my little catch thing is bold imagery for the modern romantic so I love kind of like I said light and color like I just love creating artwork that's a little bit different and I love unique light and unique couples and that's kind of the thing that I focus on the most with my couples is not really like an ideal 
client style or anything like that but but my clients want something unique and they mm -hmm. want something different and then I match that as well with different lighting and interesting colors and that's kind of how I I feel like that was a tangent but that's well no it's it's interesting <laughs> that you say that it's interesting you talk about something different because um I look at your photography like on your Instagram mm -hmm. or on your website and these different places um and a lot of photographers take a lot of pride and I think rightly in having their own style. Mm -hmm. When you look at this photographer's photo, you can know exactly who did that yeah, photo. Super and there's, consistent. Yeah, mm -hmm. very consistent, very um, unique to them. Yeah. And um, I don't know if I could say that about you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just, I look at, you know, you've got your studio work, you've got your natural light stuff, you've mm -hmm. got your harsh light stuff. Yeah. And um, it all has, it's all very consistently good mm -hmm. it's wonderful photography yeah um but it's all it's all different yeah um can you speak to that a little bit the, yeah just that, that variety something that i've tried really hard and i i don't know if i can say it, i pride myself on is that i want my consistency to come from my skills rather than like my couples all being the same style or shooting the same light consistently or the same gear or the same locations i kind of want I want Eden Strader images to be based on like Eden Strader, mm -hmm. like not what my clients provide to me. Um, and so that's why I love it because I just feel like I never get bored because I get to shoot, yeah, like you said, like harsh light and natural light and studios and I get to shoot so many different things. And I think it pushes me a lot more to create images that look still like my brand even when everything's changing all the time because I have to kind of rely on myself a little bit more mm -hmm. rather than like the same factors at every shoot if right. that makes sense <laughs> yeah so how do you um determine what a shoot is going to look like when you don't have sort of a consistent approach and process to kind of Mm -hmm. fall back on a little bit what yeah. does that what does that look like couple to couple or just subject to subject yeah so I always try to meet my couples in a spot where their personalities are gonna like be shown in the images every time because I do try I have like really serious images and really fun images and I try to make it so that they reflect my couple um, rather than me kind of putting them in my own little like ideal client box mm -hmm. right. <laughs> as I call it but um, I think that light is one of my favorite like actually it is like one of my, my favorite thing about photography is mm -hmm. light um, and I think that just constantly practicing light and using light and even if the lighting's different every time, knowing how to consistently use that lighting is what keeps my work consistent and looking um, the same. And then my editing as well. I try really hard to keep my editing always looking consistent no matter what the lighting situations are and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, you teach a couple workshops, one mm -hmm. specifically on lighting. Before we get into that specifically, talking about harsh lighting, what is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone about the value of light in yes. photography? Um, I think that, and this is no way shaming anything, but I think that we're in like a kind of trend right now where everyone thinks that like a preset is going to save their sure. situation. Um, and if I've learned anything, it's that light is what everything comes down to. Like no preset is going to save you at noon if you don't know how to use noon lighting. Like mm -hmm. um, there are, especially in the wedding industry where you don't really have as much control, um, 
you've got to practice light and just consistently study it and practice it and look at it. I always joke that instead of being like a people watcher, I'm kind of like a light watcher. Like okay. even when I'm driving, I'm like, okay, so how would I shoot in this right now? Mm-hmm. Which probably isn't safe while I'm driving. But <laughs> um, I just think about light all the time and like how it would fall on a subject's face at that point in time. And so I feel like when I'm thrown into weird lighting situations, which happen all the time on weddings, especially, I'm already like, oh, I've kind of thought about this lighting situation before and how I would use it. Yeah. Um, and lighting is one of those things where I wish that there was like some one answer to like how to use it, but practicing is just key. And mm-hmm. once you get lighting down, hard lighting becomes like the funnest thing in the world. Like I love shooting midday right now. Like that's yeah. one of my favorite times to shoot. And a couple years ago, that would have scared me like to death. Sure. Like, that would have been horrifying. Um, but yeah, just practicing and studying light is going to be just a savior for anyone that struggles with like consistency and mm-hmm. photography in general. So you've, you've kind of touched on this a little bit already, but you, as I mentioned, you teach this harsh lighting workshop. Mm-hmm. What sort of pushed you or showed you that this was something worth kind yeah. of... Um, teaching about yeah definitely so harsh light is something that especially like direct light and stuff I actually shot it even in the beginning but I wasn't really knowledgeable in knowing that like people didn't like it like mm. I I mean I obviously didn't like shooting at noon but I did like shooting direct light like two hours before sunset so that's easier direct light I think but even back then I really liked it and then as I pushed things more and I think we all have you know a wedding in our beginning of our career where you the ceremony is at like noon and you're like oh no I've never done this before Mm. like what is happening um and so after that I feel like I just studied direct light and harsh light a lot um and I always kind of loved it but I didn't really realize that other people didn't either and so the more I kind of got into education and mentoring in general on I kind of started out more with like finding your artistic voice and things like that Um, and the more I kind of dove into education the more I realized that harsh light is something that people actually are really scared of which Mm -hmm. rightfully so it's it's really challenging lighting which is why I think it's the funnest because you have to work really hard why is that why would you say that is Um, I think what's hard about direct light is that it changes everything especially with couples I think that's where it gets really really hard because you have two people and if you do direct light or harsh light incorrectly their skin just turns to sandpaper like you get crazy shadows they look like raccoon eyes like it can go really bad really fast whereas I know golden hour it's like we can all almost even at the beginning of our careers make that look beautiful but direct light is a lot slower you shoot a lot slower because you have to be very careful about how it's hitting your subjects and how it's moving um what i don't do know you, if any of that makes sense but i feel like yeah what do you moves, mean by slower yeah i feel like so with direct light i work a lot slower i set up my shots a lot slower i'm very careful sorry um about how light is hitting certain things because a golden hour i can just stick the sun behind them and they can move all over and that light's gonna stay consistently right. pretty but if they're moving all over and it's, you know, 1130 in the morning, it's suddenly they have raccoon eyes or suddenly the side of their face looks like sandpaper, even if they have flawless skin. Mm-hmm. Like you just have to be a lot more careful about angles and like how things hit their features in direct light because it all changes and moves so quickly. Yeah. Um, what are some of the highlights uh, without giving away all of your workshop mm-hmm. secrets? What are some of the, the kind of bullet points that you would give to anyone 
who is facing that challenge of a, a noon wedding or a you know yeah, an afternoon absolutely shoot. so one of the things we talk about a lot is kind of like what I just said is slowing down mm-hmm. um I know it's not like a phrase I coined but being like trigger happy I feel like is super easy during golden hour because you're like oh every shot looks magical mm-hmm. like everything looks beautiful the lighting is beautiful um but you can't really be trigger happy with direct light especially in the midday um and so just slowing down and really studying and we have I have like different techniques and um ways that I set up, like how I stand in reference to the sun and my couples um, to make sure that clean and consistent lighting is the priority on their facial features. Because I think that a lot of times we don't pay a ton of attention to facial features and mm-hmm. the light has to hit each of their facial features just just right, like just perfectly in order for direct light to work. And so that's something we talk a lot about a lot in the workshops is how to make that light not only look okay for you, but look just like beautiful and bold and unique for your work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that people don't like working with harsh lighting. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about photographers or are you talking about subjects? Uh, photographers. Okay. Yeah. I think photographers get a little nervous. I know a lot of the ones that I've talked to about um, the workshop like after they took it is they were like well I was always looking for open shade because sure. open shade on wedding days is like kind of your savior if they have like a 12 p.m. Cer- ceremony um, and so learning how to pull yourself out of the open shade and shoot these things in a totally different light um, is scary but I love it because one it's more challenging it like pushes you as an artist but we talk a lot too about how impressive that is for your clients like because now they get a way wider range of images than if they were all just like backlit or all in open shade like they Mm -hmm. get a much bigger diversity I would say like out of their images which is a great thing to provide for your clients yeah Mm -hmm. um you briefly mentioned your other workshop which uh is called finding your artistic voice is yes. that correct mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit yeah. talk about sort of that process one for you you've, you've kind of already mentioned it a little bit but um what it took to find your artistic voice and mm-hmm. what you wouldn't push other people to do to find yeah theirs. that workshop was kind of like as cheesy as it sounds like my little heart project like I just feel like so much of my heart was in that workshop um I feel like for anyone listening that's based in Utah, it's like no secret that our market is like crazy oversaturated. Sure. Like there's a million of us. Um, and I felt like a big, I wouldn't say issue, but something that was like happening a lot was just everyone was buying, you know, that one preset or like everyone's work was just kind of starting to blend together. And then when I'd get mentoring clients who were like, well, I don't understand why I can't get paid more. And it's like, well, if your style is the exact same as someone else's, the only separate thing separating you is price, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if you want to charge the prices that you're wanting and you want to separate yourself from the competition, it really does all come down to your style and what you're offering to your clients that no one else can. Um, and photography has always kind of been art for me. Like I don't think of it solely as like a job. Like I think of it as like my artistic expression. And so it's always been really like personal to me as cheesy as that sounds but um it's always been so important to me that my voice as well is able to translate into my work and I just think that you fall in love with photography so much more if you make it your own um it's so easy to get like burnt out or 
um, feel like your work looks like everyone else's if you're not trying to bring your own personal voice into it. And so that is what the workshop is a lot about is just using like key factors to find your own voice in photography um, rather than kind of falling into the trap of like, well, there's already so many other photographers, like how am I going to find something unique? But I think that's what's so cool about photography and art in general is that there's no limit to how different it can become like there's no finite number of styles like Mm -hmm. everyone can find their own style whether that's editing or lighting or posing like there's so many different factors of photography that I think sometimes people like gloss over and so I just think it's so crucial to find your own artistic voice and make photography your own yeah um I I tend to hear and maybe this is just my own personal experience Mm -hmm. but I tend to hear two different schools of thought on that idea of finding your own your your own voice your own style your own aesthetic whatever you want to call it um and one is sort of finding someone that you admire and not necessarily copying or you know what you're talking about which is Mm -hmm. what people tend to do but um but almost almost building off of that you know going off of what you like finding what you like and making that your own Mm -hmm. versus sort of the opposite of going to find something that isn't being, mm-hmm. um, you know, isn't, isn't happening a lot. Maybe it's harsh lighting, which is a very yeah. unique thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something that, that, uh, you know, you just don't see, or you've, you've thought of that you can, you haven't found someone else that's thinking of, um, do you fall on one side of that? Do you, would you recommend one way or the other? I'm not sure. I feel like a middle ground probably is where I stand I don't know the exact quote but I'm sure you've heard it as well where it's kind of like there are really no new ideas everything's Mm -hmm. kind of inspired off one another and I don't know if I agree with that entirely but I do think that like there's no way I could sit down and be like every single photo I've ever taken was never inspired by another photographer you know like that's not fair or like true at all like I definitely take inspiration from other photographers Mm -hmm. I think that where you kind of kind of got to walk that line is do I want my work to look like someone else's work or do I see key factors in someone else's work that I kind of want to incorporate into mine so Mm -hmm. I try to draw a lot of inspiration from I always tell people to find inspiration outside of your genre of photography so my wedding clients I try not to look at too many wedding photos I try to look more at like fashion photos Mm -hmm. because that way I'm not going to copy other photographers because I can't really copy a fashion photo with a couple of usually. Um, But instead I can find factors within that fashion photography like lighting or composition or color and incorporate that into my wedding work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that it's definitely okay to like pull inspiration from other photographers because I don't think you can, like you have to find inspiration somewhere. but yeah, I think that's when the line kind of gets crossed is when you're like, well, I'm going to get their preset and I'm going to pose the same way as them and compose the same way as them. And yeah. I'm going to shoot at the same time and at the same location. And yeah. I do think that's an easier trap to fall into, but yeah. one that doesn't like push you as much as an artist. And I think that's probably a better way of asking that question than the way I actually did. <laughs> no, which is I still what got role, it. <laughs> no you, you, it was a great answer. Um, but uh, the better question is what role should other photographers play? in your in kind of your process and discovering your voice and things like that and you're you're active on social media Mm -hmm. yes um have you seen sort of the community on places like instagram affecting your photography in that in sort of that same way in a positive or a negative way yeah 
I know I think that's such a good question because Instagram, especially for photographers right now, especially is just huge. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of our lives. Um, and I think that I kind of think of Instagram in two parts. I think that it is a great way to find inspiration, but kind of like I said, I try not to follow too many wedding accounts because I'm like, I don't want to copy, even if it's subconsciously someone else's work. Like, right. I don't think that's fair. So I try to follow a lot of fashion photographers or more editorial bridal ones so that I can just get factors from their work rather than copying images. Um, but I do think Instagram's kind of a slippery slope too because it's so easy to get on there and like compare yourselves to other people. And I don't need to like dive in too much to that because that is like an exhausted topic. <laughs> but when you compare yourselves to people too much, I think that's kind of when you fall into like that copying pattern because you're like well they're so successful and they're doing these things so I should do that too yeah um and so I think it's so important to kind of walk the Instagram line a little bit and find inspiration outside of your genre and also maybe don't I don't follow like a ton of photographers locally just because I don't want to fall into a pattern of like shooting the same way that they do or comparing myself to them and then inevitably copying them a little bit like those are things that I just try to keep out of my realm of inspiration I yeah. guess. would you say that having confidence in your own this feels like kind of a leading question yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you say that having confidence in your own style going through that process of discovering mm -hmm. your own sort of um, process and style and all those things um, is that something that can kind of combat the the desire to compare yourself to other photographers yeah definitely I feel like when I kind of get into one of those ruts where I'm like okay well shoot they're doing this should I do this I'm like well no let's like set up a shoot at noon and like let's just really do something that pushes me as an artist and I think that keeping yourself I don't know like how I want to phrase this but like mixing up your pattern for shooting is so helpful to like keep yourself fresh and trying new things like I had a shoot the other day at golden hour and I realized that it was like the first time I had shot golden hour in like months and months and months and mm. it actually was like took me a minute to like get back into <laughs> it, it and I was like harder. yeah I was like why is golden hour hard for me right now like I haven't shot it in so long yeah. um and that used to be like the easiest thing in the world to me but I was like oh the light's like so buttery and soft like what do I do yeah <laughs> I know I was like it's too soft like what am I doing um but it, it did take me like a minute to be like oh my gosh like this really is breaking up my pattern of shooting like I haven't shot this in so long yeah. um and so I think that's really helpful to keep yourself confident but also being like I think no one's ever going to be the best photographer like you know you're never going to cap and be the greatest photographer ever so True. just like consistently pushing yourself to try new things will keep you kind of out of that rut of copying and comparing and you know it's just so cheesy I sound like I'm like in young women's or something I'm like it's all about progress <laughs> <laughs> um would you what is what is uh a couple of pieces of equipment that you can't live without. Yeah, so I have a couple. Is that all right? Fine. So yeah, sure. okay, so I shoot Nikon 750s. Um, those are my favorite for low light. 
because is there I something just, have you ever shot outside of Nikon? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, and I've shot like some of my friends' family or my friends' family, my friends' cameras that are Canon, and mm-hmm. I just like I can't get the hang of it. It's like trying like to speak a new language. I was like, yeah. why is everything turning the opposite way? Um, <laughs> but I do. I love Nikon's. I feel like their colors are very basic, which mm-hmm. I've always kind of loved because then I can manipulate them very well. So I love my 750s. They're really great in low light. And then um, my um, reflector actually okay. is kind of huge for me, especially with harsh light. Is um, I think that a reflector was something I straight away from for a long time because I didn't want my work to look chintzy because I do feel like if you use a reflector the wrong way it looks kind of which not chintzy but just not my style Mm -hmm. um but that has become such a like crucial tool for me um with shooting direct and harsh light um or even shooting we talk about this a lot in my harsh work harsh light workshop is um even if you're shooting midday and you're like under trees the green bounce back is so insane and like reflectors save your life during that too so they're so like versatile and once you get the hang of them i just think they're such an essential tool if you want to shoot outside of golden hour for your reflector do you use several different surfaces on it or is yeah so the one that i have is actually from you guys and it has a surface that is gold and silver like woven Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's the correct term but that was such a game changer for me because the gold is always too orange and the silver is always blue and it's like you could never find like the perfect harmony in those two and that woven side i feel like that's what i use 99 percent of the time because yeah. it just creates such a clean light cool mm-hmm. um well where can people find your work where can they find their work your workshops your yeah. photography all that stuff awesome so uh, my instagram is at eden strader which is s-t-r-a-d-e-r it's kind of a confusing one even though it's it's simple but it's not yeah. um and then my website which is where you can find more of my work and my workshops is just edenstrader.com great Well, Eden, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much to Eden for sitting down with us. Thanks to you for listening. You can get more info on Eden's work, plus her gear recommendations in our show notes. The Pictureline Podcast is a production of Pictureline, which is located at 305 West, 700 South in Salt Lake City, and is your source for photography equipment, education, and more. If you enjoyed this week's episode, be sure to leave a review in iTunes, as that is the best way for us to continue to grow. See you next week.